Everyone know uh, that we miss you, hallelujah. We miss coming together, we miss fellowshipping together, amen. Uh, we are still praying in the mornings, hallelujah, and we are praying in the evenings. Amen. Amen. And if there is someone who feels that they are uh, falling off uh, because of the turbulence that's in the atmosphere, the uh, inability to be able to come into the house of God, uh, we want you to know that we are praying, hallelujah, calling by name, most people, hallelujah, uh, and, and still trying to uh, call and, and keep in contact with. I pray that uh, we have a committee, a man that could call and uh, check on people. And, uh, you know, ministry is just not for the pastor. Somebody say amen. 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 And, and, and we should have people, amen, that is... Uh, part of the ministry who would take it upon themselves uh, to be able to <coughs> handle uh, some of the jobs uh, that we would be doing if we were traditionally in church. Yeah. Those jobs still need to uh, be accomplished because we don't want the ministry to die. Amen. And that's what would happen uh, if we, if this corona persists a lot of ministries have already fallen off. They couldn't make it financially. Uh, the people began to fall off. But I praise God that we have a steadfast people here uh, that believe in God. Hallelujah. Amen. And believe in his plan. Amen. The tithes uh, and offerings have not gone down. Amen. At all. And, and I will encourage you today to let you know they've actually gone up. Amen. Amen. I don't know what to make of that. Amen. Amen. But uh, it's always good to have more money than not enough. And we're able to keep the ministry functioning. Uh, but we want the ministry to function uh, in those areas where finances are not applicable. Uh, and, and that is in those areas, making sure that we can call somebody and uh, check on somebody. Uh, and, and, and I shouldn't have to tell you to do it. Amen. Everybody Amen. in here is in ministry. Everybody not the pastor. Amen. But everybody is in ministry. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 So uh, Sister Cynthia does a good job in uh, continuing to call and send out those encouraging texts. Amen. Amen. And, and, and listen to me carefully. If, if Sister Cynthia is taking her time to send out those encouraging texts, you could at least send back a thumbs up or praying hand. We're not that busy to where we can't text somebody back. Uh, but, but what I'm gathering, what I'm gathering, this is the reason I'm saying this, what I'm gathering is uh, when some people can't come to the house of the Lord, they begin to become detached from the Lord. Amen. And Amen. I'm not trying to put a right or wrong label on it. I'm just stating that as a fact. Amen. There's a lot of God's people when you cannot be in the house of the Lord, uh, you act like that there is no uh, need to still serve God. But I want to encourage you this morning that we have to still serve God as though, just as though we were coming into the house of God. Amen? Amen. 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 And God has sent me down here on Proctor Street today to give you a word. Hallelujah from on high. And I want to be able to always, I always want to give you the word the way that it was given to me. And, and, and folk think God is politically correct, but he's not. Hallelujah. 
And I got some funny looks about last week's sermon. <laughs> Thank God my ass can see. Yeah. But if you was listening to that sermon without having your Bible open, you think I'm cussing. But the word ass is a donkey, and it's right here in Scripture. It's amazing to me how folk that go to church was just so taken back because I was using that word. But I will reiterate, if you was reading your Bible with me, you would see that. That's what the King James says. And the King James is the most closest translation that we have to the original text. Now, these newer translations, the uh, NLT and the NIV, they tried to clean it up and put donkey, but it's the same animal. Hallelujah. And it's just amazing to me that I can say a word like Passover. And somebody who I know go to church every week. She loves going to church. She works in the church. But when I use the word Passover, she looked at me and said, what's that? So pastors, we got to do a better job at teaching our people the whole Bible. But part of the problem is, is that a lot of our pastors are not taught. So you teach real good what you know. But there's a lot of things that you don't know and you're not teaching your people. Go to school. Go learn what God's word is really saying. Because listen to me very carefully. Grace is one concept, one biblical concept. Grace is one theological concept that's defined in this whole book. Love is one concept. Forgiveness is one concept. Hallelujah. Amen. And if all we know, if, let me just use for an example. If the Bible has 100 concepts and all you proficient at is 50, that means you're not teaching your people 50% of the concept. And I want to teach something today that is not talked about in church much. God sent me down here today to talk about an old subject. A subject that you don't even hear talked about in church no more. Has this subject died off? Have the people just gotten tired of hearing about this subject? Has, has this subject been defeated? I submit to you that the answer of each of those questions is no, emphatically no. I want to prove today by scripture, everybody say by scripture. Because too many of us taking liberties trying to prove stuff that's not in the Bible. And I want to prove to you what scripture says. This subject is alive and well in the world today. And this subject is not only alive and well in the world today, this subject is alive and well in a lot of our lives today. The elder talked the other night in his class about addiction. How, how even, and, and, and we know that folk out in the congregation still addicted to alcohol and uh, talked about marijuana and uh, 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 cocaine and, and it's all these different variations. And, and we know that uh, people, but he even said, he, he said the other night, even from the pulpit, hallelujah. And that's a true statement. There's alcoholics in the pulpit, hallelujah. Amen, yeah. There's folks smoking weed in the pulpit, hallelujah. That's folk doing cocaine in the book. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Now, should it be? No, but it is. <laughs> I want to explain something today that can help us to understand if we forget to talk about this subject, we would have people thinking that.
that they're left to their own devices when the Bible clearly states, lean not to thy own understanding, but hallelujah, give yourself, your thinking, your thoughts to God. And let him lead and direct you. And if the church is not pointing out to the people who the true culprit is, we would begin to blame ourselves for the deficiencies in our lives. In this subject I want to talk about today, we know him by many names. He's been called the old servant. A lot of us know him by the devil or Satan. In the beginning when he was on God's side, we knew him as Lucifer. They called him Beelzebub, Baal. The Bible describes him as a liar, a thief, the dragon. Man, this amazing, it calls him the angel of light and the prince of darkness. And his real name, for anybody who cares in the Hebrew language, is Allah bin Asakar. And we don't talk about the devil much in church today. We act like he's gone. We act as though like the devil to die. But I want to explain to you what an old man told me one time. He says that the devil don't have to mess with you no more when he dies. And the devil, I want to use for a title this morning. The devil's mission statement. The devil's mission statement. And as we were on the prayer line the other night, one of my good friends, Pastor Nash, was expounding. And he used the term. And God pricked my spirit with that, that the devil has a mission. And for most of us churches and nonprofits, 501c3s, uh, uh, businesses, we have a mission statement. And in the church, most mission statements are positive. But I want to show you today that all hell has a mission statement. And for each of us who have a mission statement, we should be doing everything within our power to bring that mission statement into life. And what I've realized about the church of God today in America is we've become lazy and complacent. And sometimes we're not on our mission. We're trying to find every reason at every cone at every turn to take a break from the mission that hangs on all of our walls. Most churches you go to, they got their mission statement hanging up somewhere on the wall. But most of the members that I know, and even a lot of the pastors that I know, you are steady trying to take a break from the mission of God. But let me tell you something about death, the devil and hell. They don't take breaks. No, he ain't dead. No, he's not run away. No, he's not tired. The devil and hell is always on their mission. And in scripture, the devil is described as the personification of everything that's against evil. That's for evil, I'm sorry. 
The devil is described as the personification of everything that's for evil and against good and against God. That's what the enemy is. That's what the devil is. That's what the adversary is. That's what he does. He's against everything that's for God or for good. And in a study of most religions, most popular religions, I didn't go through every one of them, but the most popular religions we know, Christianity, Judaism, uh, Hinduism, and Buddhism, I looked at each of those, and each of those have a negative influence in their religion. A spiritual influence that is trying to keep them from doing good. It's not just Christianity that talks about the enemy, y'all. And in each of those religions, uh, uh, the devil is against doing good. He's against God. He's against trying to do right. He's against love. He's against peace. He's against hope. He's against joy. We have to understand that no matter what religion that you in on this earth, the one that served God, matter of fact, I want to be able to say that because some folk serve the devil by religion. In each of those religions, the devil and his demons oppose the things of God and anything that's good. So don't be fooled because it seems that though the devil is not messing with you. Let me tell you something. The devil is still messing with people. We know it by depression now. See, the, the, the government and, and medical establishment to change the name of the devil. But the depression is a demon. Drug abuse, alcohol abuse, those are demons. The devil is still here. We just don't call him the devil no more. We call him bipolar. <laughs> Schizophrenia. Narcissism. Sociopathy. The devil is still here. He's still well and he's alive. And he's destroying and knocking most of us out the game. And I want you to understand that the devil is not your friend. The devil by scripture is defined as an intruder. A lot of times the devil don't wait to be invited into your life. The devil will kick your door in and come into your life. Most of us can admit we wake up in the morning wanting to do good. We wake up in the morning wanting to do right. When our feet hit the floor, we want to love everybody in the house. By the time we get to the breakfast table, we're angry and arguing and fussing and cussing with somebody. Why? Because the devil is well and alive in your life. Every last one of us, when we wake up in the morning, we want to be a good Christian. We want to live for God. We want to be righteous. But by the time your feet hit the floor, there's been some turbulence stirred up in the house. There's been a disturbance going on in the house. And somebody in the house begins to raise hell. Mm. I want you to understand, if you are a person that likes to raise hell, you on the devil's side. If you're walking around your house and in your job environment and everywhere you go and all you got is cuss words to say and you're mad and you're angry and you're evil, the Bible tells me 
that you are of your father, the devil. You can put on pretty clothes, honey, all you want to. You can say words like amen and hallelujah, but if you are angry and mean and fussing and cussing every corner you turn, you're full of the devil. Amen. All this race division we got going on right now, I'm not worried about it at all because I know I'm on God's side. And it is amazing how God is spelled G-O-D and good is spelled G-O-O-D. But one thing I know about being on God's team, he says that the battle is already won. So I'm not worried about all those people out there that's spewing hatred and spewing evil right now. I'm on the winning team. My Bible says it, hallelujah. And once again, every other religion that I read, those who are serving their God, whether they call him Allah, whatever name they call him by, whatever language they speak, we on the winning team. Somebody need to shout hallelujah. When you serving God, you on the winning team. The devil might get a chance to put a little hell into your life every now and then. We got a saying here at Sabbath rest that we got from abundant life that the devil may have a few seconds of my day, but he's not going to have my whole day, and I mean that. Too many of us right here calling ourselves Christians who have succumbed to the evilness and the plot of the devil. And as your pastor and as a pastor, I'm admonishing you today is if you're going to call yourself a child of God, you need to have some love in your heart. Amen. You need to have some forgiveness in your heart. Folks had to straighten me out this week about becoming mean and arrogant on a certain situation. I thought I was right, but it, it doesn't matter if you're right. It matters if you're standing up for God. Mm -hmm. And a friend said one time, you can be sincere, but you can be sincerely wrong. Mm -hmm. Too many of us in our arrogance and our uh, stiff-neckedness, we are sincere, but we are sincerely wrong. And the Bible gives us the devil's mission statement in St. John 10 and 10. Come on, go there with me. St. John chapter 10, verse 10. Very, very uh, familiar passage of scripture. In this pericope, John begins to write what Jesus has said, because in my Bible I have a red letter edition, and this is in red, and this is Yeshua, this is the Master speaking. And he's speaking to the people about him being the good shepherd. And in his exhortation of being a good shepherd, he gave a comparison of what a bad shepherd would be. And Jesus is telling the people that he's the good shepherd. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that enters not by the door into the sheepfold. But if you climb up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Verse 3 says, to him the porter is open. And the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The fourth verse he says, and when he put forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Verse 5 he says, and a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of the stranger. 
Verse 6, the Bible says in this parable, Jesus spoke unto them, but they did not understand what he was trying to say. They did not understand what he was trying to say. So the Lord, knowing all things that they did not understand, he continues his exhortation in verse 7, and he says, Then Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he says, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Verse 9, he says, I am the door by me if any man enter in. He shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. In verse 10 here, he gives us the mission statement of the devil. He says that the devil's mission statement says, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's the devil's mission statement, y'all. Amen. Yeah. Now I wanna I wanna take my time right here because there's a grand delusion going on in America today. And the delusion is, and, and let me let me, 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 me kind of explain this word dilute. When you dilute something, you weaken its power. That's what the word delusion is. Whenever you dilute something. So you may have some 100% juice, and if you put some water in it, you dilute it, it ain't, it ain't no longer 100%, hallelujah. And there is a grand delusion going on in America right now because there are some things that people know that this society we're living in is now pumping into our uh, hearts. And people who know what God's word says are now turning from God's word because they've allowed themselves to be diluted. But I want you to understand that it's hard to dilute Christianity. Amen. And the reason that it's hard to dilute Christianity is because God gave us a book with his expectations, of, with his commands in it. And any variation from God's word, whether we feel like we justified or not, any variation from what thus said the Lord, that is a diluted word. If God says, thou shalt not kill, and we say, okay, we're going to kill 632,000 babies a year in the womb. Well, we just diluted God's command that says, thou shalt not kill. The Bible tells us that we should honor our mothers and our fathers, but just as your dad is 60 and you 40, you, you still want to think you can walk around and cuss and disrespect your daddy. The Bible says honor your mom and your daddy. So any honor you take away from mom and daddy, you just diluted the word. I could go on and on, but for time's sake, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And in the grand delusion, there is an enemy in this earth. And the reason that I use the term in this earth, because the more and more that I study about Satan, is that sometimes we act as though the devil is an individual person like Jesus was. The devil is not an individual person that we can point out at any time in history. Jesus is the son of God, and to prove that God birthed his son in the flesh. 
Now in Judaism, I didn't read what Christianity felt about it, but in Judaism, they feel that uh, Satanism or Satan is a spiritual, is in the spiritual arena. It's not an individual person walking around with horns and a tail and a pitchfork. And that's, the, that's one of the delusions, because people think that the enemy is going to always show up as ugly. Sometimes the enemy can show up as beautiful as, because this is why they call him the angel of light. Because the enemy has transforming and translucent abilities. And the devil is wrecking havoc in our lives. He's wrecking havoc in our homes. And the church is in error because we're not teaching anymore. One of my friends last night, one of my pastor friends last night, uh, trying to calm me down, uh, telling me, Chat, you're too radical. I say, that's what's wrong with the church right now. You got everybody wondering, worried about everybody's feelings. And you can't tell folk the truth no more because you're so worried about their feelings. But I want you to understand that your feelings are going to be hurt in short term, but your life will go on in long term. So I thank my friend last night for trying to calm me down. But if we can't be honest with one another and say things to one another as men and men, as your pastor, I got a problem with that. And, and let me say this while I'm right here. I'm bold enough to come tell you what I think, and I think you should be bold enough to come tell me what you think. Because there's too, it's too much bobbing and weaving going on in, in the church house, even in the leadership in the church house. Don't worry my feelings. If you're going to tell me something that's going to be for my greater good in the long run, my feelings might be hurt today. My feelings might be hurt for a week, for a month. But I bet you I'll be glad two years from now that you pulled my chain. And this is the delusion of the devil. The delusion of the devil got us as leaders and men scared to be leaders and men. So what we have done in this society, you listen to me very carefully, what we have done in this society is the man has abdicated his authority. That means gave it away. And I know I ain't gonna get no amen to body, but I know I'm telling the truth, and we got women. I seen a giveaway. They had a food giveaway in Orange, Texas the other day, and they had nothing but women loading and unloading the trucks, helping people with no, I'm gonna put it this way. The news media didn't catch no men and they tanned the whole crowd. It went nothing but women there. And I'm hand clapping to the women because I'm glad you got the intestine of fortitude. I'm glad you got the gumption to get up and go do something. But where the hell is all the men? Sitting at home playing man. Sitting at home drinking a beer. Sitting at home smoking. Chasing somebody else woman. When you should be out here in the community doing the hard work on the streets. But every time I show up somewhere, I see women organizing function. I see women getting things together. You don't even have to help them lift up heavy boxes no more. They, I got this. Just because we got strong men, just as brother, let me back up. Just because we have strong women don't mean we become weak men. Amen. Amen. Don't get that twisted. Because you got a strong woman, you're going to sit it down now. No, brother. Amen. And the devil is wrecking havoc in our lives. The devil is wrecking havoc in our homes. 
we sitting down just as comfortable as we can be, waiting on the Lord. But I'm telling you right now, while you waiting on the Lord, son, the Lord is waiting on you. The devil is on a mission. And his mission is to destroy God's people. And we can come down here to the church house as, as corporal coming together. But if each of our individual homes is torn up, if, 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 if all of our addresses, there's turmoil, there's trouble, there's no togetherness, there's no forgiveness, there's no love, there's no respect, the devil is winning in that fight. I want you to understand that the devil has been around from the beginning of our scriptures. How many of you know that it was the devil that got Adam kicked out of his home? Hallelujah. How many of you understood that the devil had the power to show up to the God's meeting in the book of Job? The Bible says that God and the, his prince, his angels, was having a meeting and the devil showed up. Hallelujah. And then what, what peculiar to me is when the devil showed up at God's meeting in Job chapter 1, God did not put the devil out. When the devil showed up at God's meeting, God didn't ask the devil, what you doing here? God asked the devil, where you be?
In Luke 22 and 3, the Bible talks about how it was Satan, the devil, who entered Judas's heart that he might betray Jesus. In Ephesians 6 and 12, the Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we are wrestling against powers, against principalities. Where at? In what? High and wicked places. So what he let us know is not only is there a devil, he got a team. In 2 Corinthians 2 and 11, the Bible says that we are not ignorant of his devices. Just letting us know that the devil is biblically, the devil is real. In 1 Peter 5 and 8, it says that he's like a roaring lion walking around seeking someone to devour. But one thing that I love about God and I love about God's word, this is why I know that the Bible is fulfilling, because God didn't just set us up and teach us about the devil and everything he could do to us. God messed around and told us what he going to do to the devil. Amen. Amen. So although the devil may be in our lives, although the, the devil may be lurking around, uh, kicking in our doors in our homes, we have to learn how to stand, as Paul said. He says, after everything that, after you stood, after everything, still stand. Keep standing on God's word, church. Keep on believing in God's word. Keep on trusting in the blood of Jesus. Know that you have been filled with the Holy Ghost, the Ruach HaKadosh. Know that God has a plan for your life. Know that the devil is not stronger than God. The devil is not even equal to God. The devil is a created being by God. So the devil does not have created power. The devil does not have power over your life. I know right now we don't call him the devil no more. We don't call him Satan no more. Now we're meeting the devil as uh, schizophrenia and uh, bipolar and uh, drug abuse. All of those are the demons that's in our lives. But I come to tell you today that you don't really have to deal with that mess. Because the Bible says, hallelujah, that the devil has an end. And I'm glad that God showed us the devil's end. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 20 verse 1. The Bible says, and I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit. If you want to know what's going to happen to the devil now, you got to go read Revelation. Well, I've read too many, I've heard too many folks say, I don't deal with Revelation. Revelation's scary. Well, that's why you're scared you think the devil got you. But if you go read Revelations, you would understand that the devil ain't got no power at all because God got something for the devil. Hallelujah. The devil might be messing with you right now. But how many of you know that the devil has an end? He says, I see him come down from heaven with the keys to the bottom of his pit and a great chain in his hand. Hallelujah. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. And he bound him for a thousand years. Verse 3 says, and cast him into the bottom of his pit and shut him up. And he sealed it upon him that he should deceive the nations no more. The word deceived is another word for delusion. It's going to be a thousand years where people won't be deceived and they won't be under grand delusion anymore until the thousand years have been fulfilled. And after that, he must be loose for a little season. Now, I'm not trying to run God business. I'm not trying to get in God business. But doggone it, God, if we got him, why don't we keep him? Why don't 
you let him out after a thousand years. And remember, the Bible says that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. So when you try to prophetically uh, think about this scripture, don't think that it's going to be a literal thousand years. The Bible says in, uh, in that last sentence, uh, verse 3, it says he will be loose for a little season. And this thousand years, we can't really uh, correlate that as a thousand years as we know it. 365 days a thousand times. But we do know that God is going to get that rascal. But he's going to let him out. And watch what he do when he let him out. And in verse 4 he says, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that had beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast. Somebody say, that's me. I did not worship the beast. Hallelujah. Neither did I worship his image. And watch this. Neither did I receive his mark on my forehead or on my hand or in my hand. Somebody shout amen. Now, I'm not trying to say anything about this society we're living in. Too many people trying to prophesy and prophesy and all that. But I do know that some kind of way in a society that the government is going to turn now to issuing out what we know as, the Bible has laid, labeled as, the mark of the beast. So if the government start coming trying to put some stuff on your forehead or in your hand, don't take it. Tell your neighbor, don't take it. He says, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. He said, this is the first resurrection. Hallelujah. He said, blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. Somebody say, that's me. Hallelujah. On such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for that thousand years. In verse 7, look at, look, look, at, look at verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go about deceiving, my word diluting, the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Mark and Magog. Together, them together to battle, the number of whom the sand of the sea. Come on, let's, let's, let's get to verse 10. Well, I guess I better read verse 9 while we're here. And they went up on the breadth of the earth, and uh, they uh, surrounded the camps of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Uh-oh. Come on. Everybody say, here come the end. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beasts and the false prophets are, and shall be tormented day and night. How long? He ain't getting out no more, y'all. Now, why did God let him out after the first thousand years? That's God's business, and I got to learn how to trust it. Somebody say Amen. But I'm glad that God got him again. And this time it tells us that he's going to be tormented in the lake of fire and brimstone hollow forever and forever. Hallelujah. And I want to be able to encourage you today to let you know that yes, that there is an evil force in the world. He's spiritual by nature. The Bible describes him. Paul said that 
uh, he's, he has power and principalities in high and wicked places. Hallelujah. Somebody prayed on the prayer line the other night uh, for power in high and wicked places. Hallelujah. And we know who they was talking about. Amen. We don't have to, by now, we don't even have to call his name no more. When we talk about wickedness in high places, we know just what he's doing, who we talking about. But let me put my glasses on while I enlighten you to this. You can read your Bible, and every now and then, God will raise up a bad king for the people himself. Why? Because the people was being bad. And God figured out, well, if the people want to continue to be bad, I'm going to give them a bad king. And I think that's where we get DJT from. I think God looked at this society, and God saw how we kept up, and we still acting that way, even through coronavirus. God gave us a chance to turn our life around. God gave us a chance to clean up the earth. The earth began to clean itself up within the first two weeks of coronavirus. But our hearts have not changed. Our minds have not changed. We just like the people in Genesis chapter 6. The Bible says that the imaginations were wicked always. Hallelujah. And as I walk on this earth today, all I'm coming in touch with, and listen, I'm not talking about everybody else. Honey, I'm talking about myself. Amen. I get wicked. I get evil. I get selfish. I get ignorant and arrogant. And living on this earth where we live today, God has given us a chance to turn our life around. Amen. And since we want to be ignorant and arrogant people who don't want to listen to nobody, <laughs> the daddy can't tell the family what to do no more, the cops can't stop you and tell you what to do no more, nobody can tell nobody what to do no more. So God said, you know what? I'm going to give you somebody who don't listen either. <laughs> and now everybody got the audacity to be mad at DJT. But let me tell you something. God established him where he is right now to show us up. Now, God has given us a chance to turn our life around. The word is called repent. Now, how many of us going to be bold enough to, to trust God, to stop living the way that we live? To stop being ignorant, stop being arrogant, stop being selfish. Stop all this technology trying to move forward and forward. I know the next generation always want to do better than the last generation, but every now and then, it's time for us to turn the lights off. I know it sounds stupid. They'll say, listen to that, Pastor Jack, he's sounding crazy. Yeah, I know it sounds crazy, but we need to go back to primitive days. We need to turn off the internet, turn off these big TVs, turn off all this noise that's keeping us confounded and confused in our minds. God has given us a chance, church, to turn back around to him. And I want to encourage and admonish somebody today that we would turn our lives around, that we would begin to live for God one more time. Even if there's sin in your life, admit your sin, admit your fault. Stop standing around acting like you ain't doing nothing wrong, like you all holy and high and high mind. The Bible says that if a man uh, say that he has no sin, he says he's a liar and the truth ain't in him. Confess your faults one to another, the Bible says. And God is faithful and just. And he will cleanse us from all of our sins. But too many of us walking around like we ain't got no sin. Let me explain this real quick. I'm going to shut up and sit down. It is not your sin that's going to send you to hell. It's not accepting God's provision for your sin, whose name is Jesus. 
That's why Jesus asked them people. Oh, Jesus, look at that woman. We just caught this woman in the middle of adultery. What should we do? You, you, you remember what he says? <laughs> he said, he say, everybody who don't have no sin in their own life, go ahead and throw the first rock at them. He was giving them permission to. Yeah, of course. It's, you, in other words, what Jesus was saying is, yeah, the law say we should stone them. And it's okay to stone them if we clean. It's okay to go around pointing your finger and judging and being critical on other folk if you clean. But the reason we ain't got no business judging other folk and pointing the finger at everybody and pointing out what everybody else is doing wrong, because all you're going to do is get some fingers pointed back at you. Truth be told. Hallelujah. How many of y'all know this? Watch this. Watch this. How many of y'all notice that people don't keep their blinds and curtains open no more? How many of y'all notice that? You can ride through this town. People got fall paper on their windows. They got the shades pulled down. Why? Because we all sneaking and hiding doing stuff. We don't want nobody to see it. I don't like the sunshine. Food, that's how you get vitamin D. The society is telling on itself. Just like you said the other night. Don't worry, because while you're trying to hide, God already knows. Amen. So what God asked us to do is really and truthfully, he said, confess your fault one to another. He didn't say go around acting like you ain't got none. That helps the devil win, y'all. When somebody can hold blackmail over your head because I'm going to tell your secret, that helps the devil win. Tell your own secret. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You doing something you ain't got no business, you be bold enough to say, yeah, I'm doing stuff I ain't got no business. I tell folk all the time, if you're listening carefully, you would know don't follow me home. I tell folk all the time, call me when you come, text me before you come. <laughs> Hallelujah! Because God likes the truth. And this is how we allow the devil to win. So don't be mad at BJT. Because God placed him there so that he could show us up. And I'm not going to let the devil win in my life, y'all. The devil is a liar. Watch this, what they called him in Revelations. They called him the accuser of the brethren. And nobody can't accuse you of nothing that the whole world already knows. What's the old saying? Tell the truth. Shame the devil. Because he ain't got nothing to hold over your head now. Hallelujah. Let's not let the devil win. He ain't went nowhere. The church don't teach about it no more. When the last time you heard a sermon about the devil in church? The preacher gets the hooping and hollering. He don't even bring up, he don't even bring up Satan. And everybody in there clapping their hands because we got them feeling good about themselves. You know you got members that smoking three packs a day. We should be encouraged and let them know the devil trying to kill you with cancer. <coughs> no, we got members beating their wives. Abusing their children. You know all that's going on in the church. I ain't even talking about outside the church. I'm talking about what pastors know going on in their church and won't address it at all. And, 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 and when we do address it, let's continue to remind them, saints, that we have an adversary. 
we have an enemy. And his mission statement says, he come to kill, steal, and destroy. Amen. But I'm glad that that 10th that verse ain't over. Jesus said, but I came that you might have life and have it to the fullest. How many of you know that's Jesus' mission statement? Amen. And Jesus' mission statement comes down the devil's mission statement because the devil's mission statement is first. But I love that Jesus started off with our word, but he canceled out with the devil. Jesus is saying, what the devil can do, I can do better. Hallelujah. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad for Yeshua Hamashiach today. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's not act like the devil is dead. He's not dead. Amen. He's trying to kill you. Hallelujah. Amen. May God bless you real, real good. There may be one who needs to be saved today. There may be one in WWW land, Facebook Live land, the podcast, and you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior. We call him Jesus because of the language that we speak, translated from the Latin form. His name is Yeshua HaMashiach. The name on his birth certificate is Yahoshua Ben Hosef. They said, well, how do you know that, preacher? Because I study. The devil's true name is Halal Ben Asakor. How do you know that, preacher? Because I study. And you may not know Jesus, God's only son, that he birthed in the flesh to be the propitiation. Listen to that word very, very carefully because it's hard to mispronounce. It's easy to mispronounce. He is the propitiation, the substitute for our sins. Meaning that God placed all of our sins on him on the cross. And listen to this is how God is so good. That the blood of Jesus covers our sins past, the ones we already done, present, the ones we're doing now, and the ones we're going to do in the future. Once again, I don't know how God does it, but that's his business and I trust it. And I know that I have been cleansed. I, I am no longer under the punishment and penalty of my sins. It does not mean that I will not ever sin again. That's not what the blood of Jesus did is uh, make sure that I never sin again. What it did, the blood of Jesus, make sure that I'm never under the punishment and penalty of my sin again. Do you understand the difference? And that may be you today. You may never have it explained to you that way. You know, you got a lot of unlearned people, think people in the church who say still doing some stuff that's wrong. And talk about, well, how can they be saved? Through the blood of Jesus. Amen. That's how. Amen. And if you need that kind of assurance today, I am assured, I am sure and very sure in my heart that if the clouds was to roll back like a scroll right now, the last trump of God would sound and Jesus and all the saints would descend on this earth, I am sure and very sure that I am part of God's family and that I will spend eternity with him. How are you so sure, Pastor? Because I believe that the blood of Jesus paved the way for me. Amen. You may need that assurance today. Amen. Stop trying to figure it out. It don't make sense. How a virgin gonna have a baby and he gonna die for the sins of the whole world. How he put him in a tomb. Three days later he rose up. Then he walked in front of everybody so we know it's true. And then he ascends and he's sitting at the right hand of God. It don't make no sense to me either. But I believe it by faith. That's what faith is. It says that you believe in things that you can't explain. And there may be someone who needs to rededicate their life back to God today. You kind of falling off. 
you know, Corona been going on since March, and, and we hadn't been in church, and uh, you, you know, when you're not in church, you begin to do some things you don't normally do, and uh, even the things that you do normally do, you begin to do them a little bit more. If you're gambling, you're probably gambling more. If you're smoking, you're probably smoking more. If you're eating, you're probably eating more. If you're cheating, you're probably cheating more. Because being in church keeps us safe. It keeps us aware. It keeps us cognizant of our sins. Yeah. If being out of the church house, you may need to rededicate. And God, we first of all thank you for this holy Sabbath day, God, a day where we get to pull away from the world, God. We get to lay all of the cares of the world down, all the concerns, all the anxieties. God, we, we get to lay them down at the foot of the cross, God, knowing that you have the power to take care of all of our wants and our needs. So we just thank you, God. But we pray right now, we stand in intercession right now, God, for there may be someone who does not know you, who does not know your son as their personal Savior. And God, we want to give them an opportunity to come into the family before you end this thing. And we know, God, that you have all the names written in the book. So there may be someone watching right now who needs to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to repeat after me. Father, I thank you. God, I ask that uh, you would allow me into the family. I repent of my sins. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead on that third day. So God, I thank you. You said whoever confesses with their mouth your son and whoever believes in their heart that you raised him from the dead. You said, God, that we shall be saved. If you need to rededicate, I need you to repeat after me, Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, for being the God of forgiveness. And Father, I repent of my sins. I repent from turning away from you. And now I turn back toward heaven, God. Now thank you for allowing me back into your family. I renounce my sins, God, and I'm laid them down at the foot of the cross. And we thank you for your power. We thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. If you said those prayers, you are saved. Believe it. Hallelujah. Amen. For the rest of us, hallelujah, as we prepare to leave, we ask that you stand to your feet. Father, it is in the name of Jesus, God, that we thank you. God, as we prepare to leave this place, but never from your presence, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit rest rule and abide with each and every one of us for the now and forevermore. And let all of God's people say amen. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.